What's up, everybody? Here we are in our new home down here in Tribeca, New York City. I'm with my partner in law enforcement, Bill Cannon. What's up, buddy? What up? We have a phenomenal guest here today. We're very honored to have retired NYPD captain, went on to be um, head of security at JetBlue. What's up, Loretta King? Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. You look very nice. Thank you. We're happy to have you. Glad now to be here. Now she's up from the North Country. She yeah. lives in the North Pole now. <laughs> Where do you live? Uh, up in the Adirondacks. Oh, really? Okay, that must be nice. It is. Is that where the Finger Lakes are? Um, south of that, but yep, they're up I, there too. Yeah, I've heard a lot about the Finger Lakes. Doing some hunting? You're no. Hunting for your lunch and dinner? No. No, I just. How'd you get him. up there? Why? Why would you go all the way up there for? My husband lives up there. Oh, that's important. Yeah, it's a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should probably live a little bit close to your husband. That makes sense. Hun, I'm going to live on Long Island. You can stay up there. Well, I did that for a while. It so. depends on how long you want to be married. Yeah. If you want to stay married forever, let him live up here, and you can sit up there, and you can stay yeah. down here. You guys have been married forever. I can almost guarantee you that. Um, so, uh, where did you grow up? Long Island. We're part of Long Island. We got a lot of people from Long Island, Bill. I grew up in a town called Carl Place. Carl Place, huh? That's by, um, isn't that by Garden City? Yeah, close. All right, so, yeah, Bob, that's a nice neighborhood, Carl Place, right? Yeah, it's a pretty nice neighborhood. Still yeah. is. You got brothers and sisters? I do. How I many? got two sisters and a brother. All righty. And uh, what, was, what was that like growing up over there? Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah, I liked growing up there. Nice town, small town, lots of friends, still staying in touch Where, with Where'd them. you go to high school? Coral Place High School. Look at uh, that. That was sense. a tough one. <laughs> Coral Place High School, huh? No one else went into law enforcement in your family other than you, right? No. What did no. your brothers and sisters do? Uh, my brother's a contractor, and uh, my two sisters uh, worked in um, grocery stores. They were union workers. Wow. So how many of you, were you like, so there's uh, three kids, three kids? Four. Four. Parents trapped in like a 10-bedroom house, right? No, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, I grew up in Astoria, so we rented. So I just want to hear from somebody from Carl Place. I know that, ah, you know what, they, they did a little bit better than us. Long Island. Why, but why <laughs> become a cop then? I mean, you, you know, I'm sure that, you, did you go to college? Uh, I did, and then I came on the job. And uh, so you got, a, you got a bachelor's degree? Uh, well, I got a bachelor's degree after I was on the job. Right. I went into one of the programs. You got one of those Marist, uh, Yes. So did Eddie Hartnett. You must have been classmates. Um, Eddie Hartnett I, from. Uh, well, they had so many classes. No, because I met John Kelly. Was that that it was yeah. at the academy, right? You yeah. Got the Marist uh, yeah. master's degree in public administration. Yeah. Did you have family on the job? No, no family on the so job. So where, where does this come from that you want to become a cop? Well, I was... Because, I mean, you're beautiful now, so I would just imagine <laughs> going back, uh, you know, a couple of years, you're probably just a young, hot blonde. I <laughs> was... Uh, where, where, did, where did you watch, uh, what was that, Police Woman, the TV show, and say, I want to do that? Yeah, yeah. No, um, actually, I was working as a waitress okay. at um, Roosevelt Racetrack. All right. Oh. I worked there at night. I went to Nassau Community College during the day. And uh, my dad came home, and uh, he worked in family court, and he wanted me to take a civil service job, a test, I should uh -huh. say. And, like, I really had no interest in it, but, you know, I said, sure, I'll, I'll take the test, and because I correction, for it. I could see you being a court officer more, because you're, you're indoors, it's more contained, it's a little safer. I'm sure your father probably meant he wanted you to do that, right? Well, no, he wanted me to take the test for the experience, just in case I wanted a civil service job down the road. All right, but I'm saying... 
once you start taking these civil service mm -hmm. tests, uh, if I'm your dad, I'm hoping you go to criminal, I mean, you work in the court system rather than NYPD because the court system, it's, it's more contained. You don't have, you're not out in the street every day in harm's way, the weather. Mm -hmm. Court system, you know, listen, I'm sure this stuff happens in court, but nothing like being a cop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, never really articulated that, but, you know, just took the first test that came along, which was the NYPD one. What year, what year did you come on? 81. Wow. Yeah. That wasn't, the, well, the 82 was the 3,000 class. Yeah, How many that people was in 81? Uh, about 1,000, I thousand. think. It was, it was somewhat large as well. And you were in the South? You started out in the Manhattan South? I started out in Queens, NSU oh, 13. You were a Queens Marine. <laughs> For a while, yeah. I know you love those Queens Marines. <laughs> oh, I love them. them. And how did you get into Manhattan? You hooked up? Uh, well, I was there for a while in uh, Queens. I did patrol wait a minute, there. Wait, 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 wait. We're jumping the gun again. Oh, boy. Easy, bro. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Mark, if it doesn't suit what you yeah, want to do. Yeah, because we're, we're, go, we're on the road right now. Yeah. There's things I want to know. I said, so you... So you take the, that's the only test that you took, the police test, the NYPD? Did yeah. you take NASA? Did you just take Suffolk? I actually did take NASA at one point when I was already on this job. And, um, and I, you didn't take it? I did they not. They called you? They did. Wow. And I did not. And I got to tell you something. I don't regret that decision. I know you don't regret it, but your bank account does. Well, you know what? Life isn't all about your bank account. Yeah. So I don't regret that at all. You listen, if you could do the same job and, and be in less harm's way, I know because you rose through the ranks, but... They st at that time too, though they didn't get paid that much more. Mm, I don't even really. I, I remember because where the big pay discrepancy came when um, when we got zeros, the three zeros from Giuliani. That was when they jumped way ahead of us. But the state troopers, Nassau, uh, Suffolk. Suffolk, and NYPD, they were kind of sort of in the same ballpark at the time. So I could understand why you might have wanted. And then plus, the, the NYPD is a more exciting job. Yeah, definitely more exciting. I had a couple of years on this job anyway, and I just feel it had a lot more opportunities to do things. To um, get promoted, for one. To right? get promoted and, and just to go into all sorts of different details, right. a larger department. And, uh, all right, so now so. back to where we, uh, Bill was. NSU 13, you call it? What was it? Yeah. Yeah, we had FTU. So right. where was that? Where did they put you in that? 113 Precinct. Oh, all right. So yeah. that was that was pretty busy back then, right? Yeah, Rocking and rolling over there in the 113. Yeah, yeah. And when you came out, what, what, did you go right to patrol? Or? I went to the 109 precinct. Oh, that, so you do. Uh, oh, that, yeah. So you did your NSU over there. Yeah. And then you went to the 109, which is. Uh, it's all Asian now, isn't it? Flushing. The 109, yeah, it's yeah. all Asians. Yeah. Flushing. Well, yeah, Flushing's like Asia Minor, basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's listen. If you if you want to go down to Main Street and have the, some of the best uh, Chinese food that you've had. That's the place to go, you know, other than Chinatown here in New York City. And yeah. some would argue that some of the restaurants back in Flushing, that's where, uh, are better than the ones downtown. But that's where I, uh, I wound up buying a house over there in Flushing. What would you think of working there? It was a nice place. I haven't been back there in years, but it was a nice place to work. Did you do steady patrol? Cause like, yeah, I mean, well, it was the uh, nine, squad, nine chart. squad chart back oh, then, wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. What did you think of that? Uh, probably what most people think. It was rough. Were oh, um, you like 20 years old now, 22? Yeah, I was 20, 22, 23. Oh, my yeah. God. Young. Yeah. And you always had the blonde hair? Uh, Did your somewhat. hair, like, fly out the radio call? No. no <laughs> like. Stop. No. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Like, did, they, did you want to, did you, you went out on patrol, right? Mm-hmm. Right away. Did the bosses try to snatch you up as a driver right away? 
Uh, I drove some bosses, you know, at times. That's what and they do. I eventually started working, you know, with one person in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, a partner or a yeah. truck? Yeah. Because, you know, the bosses on this job, what they, what they like, see, look pretty blonde. They say, you know what? I'm going to, I'll keep you safe. Drive me. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? Well, there were a couple other, you know, women who were in the precinct as well. So, uh-huh. yeah. So it was a competition? Whose hair flew out the, <laughs> the window? <laughs> no, nah, they were all No, but nice. you had to pull your hair back, right? I mean, yeah. the reality was. And yeah. it was back then, it was like the hair had to go back, pull yeah. back. Now and you see hats this high up <laughs> over someone's head. <laughs> I, saw, I saw somebody took a picture of uh, a female. Well, you can't, I couldn't tell the front of it. It could have very easily been a male disguised as who knows. But the, the dreadlocks were down to this person's ankle and they were purple and there was a little like a, <laughs> a hat sitting all the way on top like this but the hair was so big and not only could it be used as a weapon against you but it just it would have never flown back then like, no. you couldn't even paint your fingernails back then right uh, I don't even remember there was a lot of rules. Yeah. There was way, way more rules. Your hair was supposed to conform to the general shape of your, your head. head. That's right. Right. That's patrol. right. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right now, I don't know what that... T- Did you enjoy patrol? Yeah. I was on patrol for um, probably about a year. Liked it. And then um, went to OCCB. They reached right away. out. Yeah. And PMD? Did undercover work there. What? PMD or narcotics? Narcotics. So but you were an undercover? Yeah. Oh, sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Tell us about that. What was that like? So I was in Queens Narcotics and, uh, you know, did undercover work. You know, we had the teams. We'd go out, do buy and bust operations. But where were you doing this? Because to throw you in the, pro- I mean, if they're going to throw you in the projects to go buy drugs, in the 113, the 103, to go buy drugs, then you must have uh, down downplayed the looks a little bit. Got a little, yeah. Put some grease on your face, some dirt in your nails. Yeah, a lot down in the Rockaways. Um, a lot in like. Could you show us your nod? <laughs> the, what does that mean? The nod for, you know, for the, the team. Drug when you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we did a lot of things, you know, back then. Uh, light in the one hundred three precinct. What'd you do? Did a lot on the Lower East Side. No, I'm saying, did you have a an act that you did to buy the drugs? Well, for example, on the Lower East Side, when we would go in there, you know, they had all the shooting galleries. That was like an open air uh, drug flea market. Alphabet City. Yeah, uh, back in the day. Wait a minute, you you were in a. Uh, in narcotics in Queens. Oh yeah, but they used to fly us and do these operations so in Midtown. So they used Midtown. to take you out of Queens to go buy drugs in Manhattan too. Oh yeah. In a, okay. Well, this yeah. way on the Lower East Side. Right, and there was a same. constant change. They yeah. bring Bronx people down, and, and whatever day of the week smart. they were That's going smart. to do that. Yeah. So, so your, I, I what always was your drug of choice when you were pretending to be a drug addict. It depended where I was. Uh, like in in King Park in Queens, you know, we were buying weed. Uh, on the Lower East Side, we would be buying, you know, heroin or cocaine. Did you change your mannerisms depending on the drug? Yeah, and how I dressed as well. So, so. for example, um, I'd always wear overalls when mm-hmm. I was on the Lower East Side because they wanted to see track marks, and I would always tell them I shot up in, in my legs. And we would go and uh, get makeup and, like, put it on our veins. And they would, somebody got this stuff from the hospital. I forget what it was, but you yeah. put it on, and it kind of makes your skin dry up and crack, almost like wax, right? Yeah. Uh, so that you could at least show it looks like you had uh, track marks. And it worked, and everybody did it. But I always wore uh, overalls. And mm-hmm. it, it, it worked for me, and I typically worked with a partner down there. When you they were buying be- weed, did you have a bag of potato chips with you? So <laughs> sure you were having the munchies? <laughs> no, not necessarily. <laughs> no. no. But I know, that, uh, that, was, that was pretty easy Some people used to carry a beer can with them or a 40 with them. Yeah. 
put dirt on their face, dirt underneath their nails. You you, yeah. you like the overalls. You felt comfortable in that. Yeah, yeah. And I had my hair. Yeah, sneakers. You know, I was dressed down. I mean, I certainly no wasn't. Makeup? No makeup on, yeah. Do you ever get forced to go inside? Uh, no, not forced. But there's many times that we did have to go inside. Oh, because I've heard it from a lot of undercovers that mm -hmm. guys would say, all right, put a gun to you and you'll get inside. And no, like, oh, I never shit. had that happen. Lots of undercovers told me that happened. I was like, that's got to be... The yeah. whole paycheck for that year was worth that incident, right? Yeah, no, but very often, especially on the Lower East Side, we had to go inside. They would bring in a couple of people at a time and close the door. And How often did right? you have to buy? A couple I times I mean, you worked five a days a week. Was it five days a week you went out no. there and bought, or two days a week? It depended. You know, it depended on the teams. It depended where you were working. Um, you know, it depended who was, you know, the, uh, the, the team, you know, who was working that day. Maybe they were in court. You know, there was a lot of things that did went you ever score? in it. I mean, did you ever, did you ever not score, get refused? Yeah. And what happens then? Nothing. Just you walk turn around away. and you go back? So you yeah. say you're a cop? Did they think I've had people, I had one person definitely tell me they thought I was a cop and, you know, I was able to kind of talk my way out of it and say, no, I wasn't. And, you know, sometimes you were able to buy and they would sell it to you anyway, and other times... How long know, did it take couldn't. for you to be good at it, where you felt, like, comfortable at it? Because I'm sure you were very nervous in the beginning, right? Yeah, it's always nervous when you go out there. Um, I, I don't know exactly how long it took till I had a comfort level where I, I would go out, but, yeah. Um, and there was always a field team who was real close by as well, so you, you didn't have to run. They were great, too. Uh, very was this something that was familiar to you, though? I mean... I'm not saying that you did drugs as a youth, but, uh, you know, obviously you grew up in Long Island in Carl Place, and um, you might have been exposed. Maybe you had neighbors or friends that did drugs that you picked up a little bit of theirs, but was that a completely unfamiliar world to you, or did you know uh, you knew a little bit? Of well, certainly the world of what I saw on the Lower East Side was nothing that I was... heroin, right? Yeah, nothing I was um, exposed to at all. And what was even more interesting... Um, was like all, like the Wall Street crowd that was there, you know, especially in the daytime. Wow, that's interesting. So yeah. you know, you would buying, see they were buying heroin. Sure, whatever they were buying, you know, coming in in suits and everything like that. So what you're saying is that the the, the people that worked on Wall Street were coming in yeah. there during the day and buying drugs. Mm -hmm. Wow, there, there were definitely people in suits that were what we would call what, the, like the, the Wall ninth, Street that's crowd. That's the ninth precinct, right? Which was a yeah, back the then ninth, was a yeah. known as a and yeah. you talked about the shooting back in the day. It was yeah. not now, right? No, now it's yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Gentrified. As yeah, they, they use right. that word gentrified. Yeah. Tell us about the shooting galleries. I always think those are interesting. It's an interesting combination of words. Yeah, the yeah. vision that it puts in your head. For those of you who aren't from New York City, our audience, it's always nice to paint a little picture for them. So the shooting galleries were inside a building. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, they were all burnt out, abandoned, you know, no windows, most of them. Uh, you would go inside, you know, you'd have to walk up a flight of stairs. Maybe every other step was missing out of it. I, I remember one time going up with a guy I worked with, the two of us were going in, one in front of the other, and I thought there was kind of water dripping, uh, you know, feeling 
drops coming down, you know, look up and, you know, some guy's, you know, taking a piss. Oh, you know, over the, Yeah. So, really. I was going to say that as funny, and then it wasn't funny. <laughs> but it's the truth. That's nah, pretty funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me it's raining when you, what's that saying? <laughs> yeah. Don't piss on me and tell me it's raining. Yeah. Yeah, this guy was really pissing on you. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so what do you do? Well, we kept on, he, on walking. Did he get an injury, that guy? <laughs> no, what? we just went up and did what we had to do. Were you ever expected to do the drugs in that area? Like, did they say, no, 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 you got to. You can't leave with it. So you got to sit down and shoot up right here. Yeah, no, I never had that. That's experience. a dangerous thing too. Right? Yeah, when I'm sure you're for those in who front have been of like armed that. guys and they say do it right here. Yeah, and you either talk your way out of it, or I, I think they, they teach you in undercover school is if you have to do it to save your life, do it. Right? Yeah, I would have done yeah. that every day. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they made me do it. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. <laughs> this guy's the worst narcotics officer ever. <laughs> and then you have to go to the hospital, right, to get checked. <laughs> Yeah, but I think from when I went in there in like 1982, I, I think they've probably come a long way with training and mm -hmm. all sorts of other things. Uh, you well, know, I think that's why Officer Hoban got killed. Yeah, I he hesitated. They said, "Do, do what was that in the two four precinct uh, in 19, same night?" Chris that Busek got killed. Right. Okay. He went up to make a buy, and he, it was him and another uh, guy named Mike Jermaine under undercover. And they all the guys selling were armed, and they said, "Do the drugs right here," and he hesitated, and they got in a huge gunfight, and Hopan got killed. Right, mm -hmm. that was horrible. I worked in the two four precinct that day. Oh, did yeah. it? Yeah. So luckily, that didn't happen to you, right? You know, right. forced to to use right then. No. And just for our civilian audience, non MOS, once you get the drugs, your mission's complete. You go, you bring it back. What do you, you go meet up again with your team, right? Yeah. And then you guys do all, you guys share the drugs together, right? You do them together? <laughs> no, you bring them back, you vouch them, do your buy report. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and the, the interesting part of that is how do you identify, because you don't know the name of the guy who yeah. sold it to you, how's he identified? Uh, we used to identify them by a JD name. Um, maybe it was, uh, you know, Yankee Cap. Or, or whatever it was. But, uh, oh, but are you making the arrest right then or are you making it the next day? No, or? typically then. It would be after the undercover walk, oh, okay. go off the okay. set. You know, you buy the drugs, you come back, you re communicate with the team. You know, JD, you know, Yankee cap, you know, standing on, you know, this corner. You know, a brief But what if you want to make several buys from the same guy? Well, then they would leave them out and identify okay. them you know, based on what they were wearing. Or perhaps, you know, you could speak to them and, and get a street name or something from them. Or video or pictures of, from a distance, maybe? Yeah, but, you know, obviously didn't have the camera and These technology all, uh, equipment that they've yeah, got deals, today. Right? Yeah. Did you ever move up? I mean, how do you move up in there to start doing, like, bigger weight? Yeah, they had major cases as well. There were some undercover. They you for one of those? You know what I did on those? Typically, they considered it as the arm. So I would go with uh, this one undercover in particular, uh, like in the 106 precinct, he was buying some weight from people, and I was like the girlfriend, right. yeah, 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 called yeah, the arm. Cool. So I really didn't do the interaction. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of there, dressed up, and whatever, whatever. And you had to totally is there, when you make a buy, is there a ghost out on the street? Sometimes, yeah. And tell, tell the audience what a ghost is. Yeah, it's somebody who's just watching you, uh, you know, watching you where you walk. In a place like the Lower East Side, it's so easy; they just blend in. Mm -hmm. um, Nobody knows who they are. As a matter of fact, there were times where the ghost officers would be five feet away, right. you know, really, really close. But then there were other places you go that it, it's just really not possible. It's very, very Did difficult. you make detective out of that? 
Uh, I did make detective, um, and once I made detective, I eventually went to the detective bureau. Okay, so mm-hmm. so you got promoted to detective, and then you, what, you wound up in a squad? Yes. That sucked, right? No. You liked I, it? I, I hated it. I loved the detective. That, that what was squad did you go to? Midtown North. Oh, my God. Fort Hook. Yeah, but you did. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I would have worked in Midtown North, too, right, I wouldn't exactly. have such a bad experience. She was eating like, Ruth Chris uh, at night and, you know. Grand larceny. Oh Who, whose God. purse got stolen? No, I'll tell Going you one of my funny, one of my funniest stories. I, I caught a case when I first got there at Mickey Mantle's restaurant, yeah. right on Central Park South. Somebody broke into uh, the safe and I don't know, stole about eight or ten thousand dollars, whatever it was. So there was this uh, old time uh, detective there. You know, may he rest in peace. His name was Harry Bridgewood. So. I was like a day tour. I caught the case, and I said, uh, you know, Harry, let's go over here, and, you know, so I can interview these people. And uh, he says, no, always go at dinner time. <laughs> and I never forgot that. That's right. That's right. You know, that is such a gem. It's such a beautiful thing. To, and it's the, the, these little gems that the yeah. veteran cops yeah. drop on you. You guys aren't hungry, are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how it went. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, just yeah. to go there before the kitchen's even open is the dumbest idea ever. Sure, you're going to get an interview, <laughs> but there you go at dinner time, man. Ugh, that's such a beautiful little tidbit of information. Man. Those yeah. little gems that the veteran cops dropped on you, they just made the job so much better, man. Yeah. There were some great, great squad to work in, great detectives. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I worked in the 2-4 yeah. and the 2-6 in the squad, and... There's way too many cases. I, I didn't need that many cases. <laughs> but then again, I came out of warrants. So I was having a blast out of warrants, and uh, I didn't want to leave. Uh, squad, I don't want to put down the squad work. It's it's meaningful, and it's what the backbone of the detective bureau. It's what's it's really a hard important. Job yeah, no, it's, it, that's yeah. why yeah. you know that's why I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying it's very difficult. It's a lot of work. The cases never stop coming. In Midtown North, then did you did you guys have problems with the Westies back then? No, not really. Um, it, no. For our audience, that's the Irish yeah. mob that uh, yeah. worked in the movie business, right? We, and I'm trying to think of his name now. Mickey Featherstone? Well, we had a guy in, he was in The Rip, actually, um, who lived over there and grew up over there. So he knew a lot of the All players, and, and I know he was very involved. But I no. was embarrassed reading that book about those guys because they were supposed to do a hit for the Italian mob. And they said, we we're going out to do it, and but we got drunk and we forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. I respect That's good. That. I respect that. Yeah. So uh, when did you take the sergeant's test? Uh, because you were a I captain. Forget, so I forget to... what year it was, honestly. But you um, were in the squad, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, and actually, at some point, I, I transferred out to the 105 squad. Um, to and get closer to home? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good I, I had young kids at the time. That's good So um, that's where I got promoted out of, the 105 squad. That was a good squad. Yeah, I mean, very, very busy like back in the day. There were a lot of drive-by shootings, a yeah, lot of double and triple. They did. They did. A, they did. They did. The day, yeah. a lot of drug murders back then, yeah. Kennedy Airport, right? Yeah. But commute-wise, yeah. man, I mean, you couldn't get Seven any closer. Seven miles away. Yeah. You couldn't get any closer <laughs> to nice. Long Island, yeah. So you're in the squad... Uh, in the 105, and then for some reason, even though you got two young kids, you decide to take the sergeant's test. How yeah. many kids did you have at that time? You two. Said, uh, you had two young kids, right? And you, how, and you decide to take the sergeant's test, right? Right. And you passed it. And where, where'd you wind up after that? I uh, went back to Manhattan South. And Man, you are hooked. 
<laughs> from the north to 105 <laughs> to the south. I can't wait to hear some more of these folks. But listen, this has <laughs> nothing. This has nothing. Well, obviously, you don't have family on the job. You mentioned that. But I don't want to say this. Anything to do with your looks? <laughs> it has nothing to do with your looks. Loretta, you're going to the 3 2 no one, man. <laughs> but yet, when I wound up there, I had a great time, right? 3 4 3 2 2 3 2 4 no, south. For those uh, male. Early cops <laughs> wondering what happened to your career and why you went up in the 7-7 and 7-5. You gave up your seat for Loretta. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Oh, man, that's great, though. But you listen, you did the work, though. You were in the squad. No matter how you look, you got to catch the cases. You know, yeah. you might have some cops helping you with your cases, but uh, you still got to, it's your name on that. So you so, were the CO of the South squad? As a lieutenant? Well, not yet. She's still in the 105. Oh. No, no I was sergeant. in the 105 and I made sergeant. And oh, and I then came you went on, and I went back to patrol. Yeah, I came back to in the south. Yeah, in the south. So and you then could I shop went. on duty. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to the borough. Okay. I went to the borough as a training sergeant and uh, stayed what there. What we're doing right now is, uh, folks, we're highlighting the best places to work in New York City, <laughs> as told to us by uh, Loretta, Loretta King. <laughs> <laughs> Every place that she has mentioned. Is people that places where people die to go, like they, <laughs> they wish they could work there. So you went back to Manhattan South as a sergeant now, and how was that? Yeah, uh, fun. Spent back time uh, back on patrol after many, many, many years, and uh, then went over to the borough and uh, Manhattan South Borough. But Manhattan South's a fun place. It to is work too. Oh, it's a great yeah. place. Uh, yeah. Lots of. Uh, Tourists and parades. A lot of victims. It was just a real fun place to work. Yeah, I mean, there's always a party going on in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. There's always something, some details, some pro. It's always something. Um, I had a question I wanted to ask you, and it was funny too, but now I forgot. Well, I'm sure it will come back to you. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe not. Sometimes I drive home with them. Uh, me once, get, uh, once I'm on my way home. But. Um, Oh yeah, so you're in Midtown South. You're uh, uh, when when do you? How many hours do they do they give you a day to study when you work there? <laughs> I used to go to all the classes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they just happened to be conveniently <laughs> in Midtown South. That's where yeah. they taught them, right? Well, no, they they did, but you probably went to where you go to John Jay for the classes. Oh, PTS. Right? Yeah, I went to one of those KSA, schools. One of those schools. Yeah, Mullen. Delahanty back long, in your day. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How long did you spend as as a sergeant before you became lieutenant? Uh oh boy, a couple of years, maybe mm-hmm. like four. Mm-hmm. I I'm not quite sure. And yeah, then I took the lieutenant's test. Where'd you wind up there? Let me, wait, let me, let me guess. What's left, Bill? What's oh, left? what nice place is left? Uh, chief of department. <laughs> the no. A lieutenant in the 111, right? No. Huh? no, no. Oh, as a sergeant, though, I wanted to go back to the Bureau. And I went back to, I went to Internal Affairs for two years. Oh, yeah, that, that was like was, you had to go, right? Yeah, that was the thing. So oh, I you went were kidnapped or you, you, you put in for the Bureau? I put in for the Bureau. And so I went to Queens IAB. And I was there. Did and you wear the whiskers coming out of your face no. when you worked there? <laughs> no. No? What's no. <laughs> the rat's whiskers. Uh, <laughs> and then um, I... Uh, what did you think of working in IAB? Did you feel bad going and working there? Did you feel like you would be able to f- do your job there? You didn't want no part of it? What did you think about it? Well, I just wanted to go back to the detective bureau. I knew that I had to be there. I mm-hmm. mean, everybody who had any sort of investigative background got grabbed. Uh, yeah. yeah, got grabbed, and went in there. And I actually worked with you know 
everybody was kind of in the same boat. Everybody was looking to go back to, you know, the Roberts Garden, wherever they came from. Well, a lot so. of people say that the, the bosses that went there went there because, like Bill mentioned, they got kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to go. If you, put in, if you put in for any type of detail to get out of patrol, you're going to have to go through IAB first. But if you were there as a cop, that's a little different, right? Trying to get your shield. Well, that showed you were like a volunteer, and you know your motives were questioned by most police. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you did your two years in IAB after you became a lieutenant, and where'd you where'd you end up? Yeah, a lieutenant. I um, they asked me to be the personnel officer of IAB, so I did that Mm -hmm. uh, down on Hudson Street. And I did that for probably two years, and then got promoted. Yeah, because two years, two years is what you have to do, right? Oh, you you made captain out of IAB. Yeah, yeah, pretty quickly. Did they try to keep you when you made captain? No, um, and I would not have stayed. And uh, I was asked to be the XO of DCPI at the time. That's an exciting job. And DCPI for our audience that doesn't know what that is, uh, basically, you're working hand in hand with with uh, the news media, right? Correct. What do you prepare, like, uh, the briefings that are going to go out to the news imp- uh, on cases? Yeah, a lot of that. Um, a lot of people who were standing up in front of the news media, you know, we'd help, you know, write talking points right. and, you know, different details to set which up. Which morphed into the bullets, which became the... the uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. The pr- then it became a PIW, the Preliminary Investigative Worksheet, which was like yeah. doing a term paper at work, <laughs> right? <laughs> I used to write them, and it would, the police commissioner would actually use that to brief the press. Yeah. I would see exactly what I wrote coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Well, the, uh, when you're a boss, like a sergeant, especially in a squad, you're going to have to give an update to the to the higher up bosses about what what happened with this case. Right. And out mm-hmm. of those come the bullets, right? Yes. Yeah. That you yeah. mentioned, and then out of the bullets, uh, you take those and you give those to the PC. Does his briefing with the bullets yeah. really? Yeah. yeah, but but they were very helpful, yeah. you know, especially for for the people who were speaking to the press mm-hmm. who probably weren't even at the scene. Right. So they were very helpful as you know to what happened, you know, with timelines. No, and I'm trying to like get that. somebody to do bullets for us here because every other person that we has has a book, and I I want to <laughs> read. <laughs> That's right. Right. Two right. bullets. I'm, I'm right. Being exactly. f- forced to read. <laughs> give me give me some cheat notes. What are those things called? Those uh the things in high school that you used to get? Cheat sheets. Cheat sheets. No, the, those those um. <laughs> Cliff, the, uh, notes. Cliff, Cliff notes. Cliff notes, yeah. But, yeah. you know, the um, the other thing, I, what, I, what I objected to was that the police department had this posture of telling the press everything, even to the extent that it harmed the case. They actually didn't give a shit, you know? And I remember one time we had a case where this, this guy um, murdered this 90-year-old Holocaust survivor, and we got them all identified, and we're ready going out and getting them that morning, and a detective from DCP, DCPI calls me, and he says, what's going on with the case? I go, we got all the perps I did. We're going to get them. He goes, yeah. I go, what do you mean, yeah? He goes, what's their names? I go, I'm not giving you their names. This little DCPI pussy hands the phone to the inspector <laughs> who gets on the phone and starts screaming at me, who the fuck are you? So I lied right on the scene. I'm so proud of myself. I said, Chief Matarasso told me not to tell you until we get them. 
And he was like, you have him call you. Yeah, I'm going to have the chief call you, you dick. I hung up the phone. <laughs> we went out, got them, called all three of them. Then I was like, these are the, here's their names. Because we needed statements. Yeah. So if they put their names in the paper, they're all going to lawyer up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and that, but that was the policy of the department, which was yeah. is, is probably still to this day, but it's a bad policy. Yeah. Well, so I, I was there for two months. And then the DCPI? 9-11 hit. Oh, wow. And so that kind of changed the whole, you know, dynamics of, uh, you know, what was happening on a day-to-day there. You know, it was... It became you know, a different. You're not going to be covering any more crimes. Well... There's one crime that you're going to be talking you know, about most. very much dealing, you know, with the press coming in from all over the country and uh, all over the world, basically. Though, right? um, yeah, it was, it, it was really tough times, you know, for everybody. Yeah. You know, for everybody. Yeah. But... Yeah, so... Um, it seems so long ago now, doesn't it? It, it really does. Were you still a lieutenant at this point? No. Or no, you were a captain in DCPI. Yes. All right. What, what, what else have... Well, how much time do you have on right now? I'm retired. No, I'm saying when you run the... Tra- <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean now? Uh, I have 60 years on this earth, whatever it is. I had, when, when, yeah. you, when, when, when you were working DCPI... Oh, it was over 20 years. I think I was the only person promoted captain with over 20 years on the job. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It was definitely over 20 years. Wow. I always figure that the ballpark figure for uh, somebody to be made captain is probably around their 20th year, but you're, you're saying something different. So it's usually it's, it might be between the 15th and 20th year then, right? Yeah. Well, there's a pay there. structure that makes it not worth it, right? What is the pay structure to full pay a captain? Well, I think most people would say that if they could retire lieutenant with the money that's much better yeah that's like the home run but mm-hmm. um, for some fans out there a lieutenant that gets what's called the money yeah. squad commander pay makes captain's pay and can Plus make can overtime cash yeah overtime. and sometimes can get 600 hours a year which makes them make chief's pay right yeah. but captain is the if you desire to go up higher obviously you got to become a captain before you become a deputy inspector before you become an inspector and a chief right. Right. so if you have aspirations of going higher in the job then you got to say a little you're going to have to say no to that the short end money yeah. and you're in for the long haul but you you decided you wanted to be a captain yeah and now you're working in DCPI how long uh, how long did you spend as a captain 6 months that was it and then he retired no no she uh, went to the bureau I did. I had the opportunity to go to Manhattan Detectives, and um, that's what I love to do. Because you met me when you were there. That's (laughs) right. I went. She was uh, my captain. Oh yeah. Not right away. I went to again. I went to Manhattan South Detectives. That's right. She she went (laughs) to the. You know, it's unbelievable. The South got all the money, all the prestige, all the attention, all the overtime, and the North we had DNA all over our suits. You know. However, so I I went to the South and I had the second division, uh, which was the 6th, the 9th, the 13th, and um, the 10th. And at some point, uh, Chief Fahey asked, basically told me, I, I need you to go up in Manhattan. Well, Bobby Iovino was retiring. Yes, they were yeah. down to captain. Yeah, sure, no problem. So I go up and I take the 6th Division, the 2, 3, 2, 5, 2, 8, and 3, 2. That was a rocking place. It absolutely was. It was a great place to work. So he said to me, don't worry, I'll get you back to the south as soon as I can, yada, yada, yada. I go up there, and and I, sorry about that. You keep hitting the table. I'm sorry. (laughs) And I loved it. I I had a great time. And he calls me at some point and says, yeah, you know, I'll I'll bring you back to Manhattan South. Why did you love it? I said, I'm not, I don't want to go back. Tell us a little bit about the difference between the job and why why did you... (sighs) First of all, I want to say Manhattan South Detectives was great. It was Mm -hmm. awesome. It was wonderful. 
I don't know. It's like when you find the one, right? I, right. I just loved being there. I, we had I cheaper loved... suits in the north. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we didn't have good places to eat. <laughs> well, you found places that's to right, eat. That's right, we did. Um, but I just loved being there. It was so busy. Um, even like Comstat, even though, you know, because of the, I got, you know, we were called up like all the time. We were always prepared. The yeah. squad commanders were great. Billy, the, the uh, homicide guy, guys. My office was in special victims. That, that place was rocking. Yeah, it, was, it was so good that they had special victims great. in 3280 Broadway. Yeah. Why they moved, I have no well, idea. Well, they moved after was, I left. But it was always a great exchange of information. Right. We covered their jobs. They covered with us. You know, Correct. And then they moved us like, to PSA 5. Oh, my God. What a mistake yeah. that was. I was gone at that point. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, that's how I wound up back in the Detective Bureau. And how I stayed there for a couple of years until I uh, retired. How many years did you do in total on the job? Uh, 25 and a half. Wow. Oh, that's good. I didn't realize you did that many years. I thought you'd like a 20, 22. Actually, I did 24 and a half, but I, I had like over a year. All the time. And, and time took me to 25 and a half years. For our audience, captains don't get paid cash overtime back Unfortunately. then. Unfortunately. And so they put, could lay like a year of time, and when they retired, they could make the retired date go a year post, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you could just get paid, and then your retirement date doesn't start for a year. Right. So when nice. he retired, did you have a plan to do something else? Or you decided, you know what, I'm just going to chill out, watch my kids uh, grow up, help them out? Well, well, what was your plan? I, I, I did have a plan. Um, I retired in June of 2005. In August of 2004, I was going to Florida. And that was back when you could get a $39 flight on JetBlue, right? That's right. But that was the year that they had four massive hurricanes coming through. East Coast, West Coast, it, it was destroying everything. So I went on, and I was like, well, I'm not going in the middle of the, all these hurricanes. And for the first time, I saw this Work Here tab. So I go in, and I click on it, and it's, I'm sitting home by myself canceling a flight. And I look through, and there's this job for a security supervisor at JFK Airport. Wow. So I'm reading through it, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I've got all the credentials. I've got the education. I got nothing to do sitting here by myself on a Saturday <laughs> night, and I applied for it. So at one point, it asked for a resume, and I'm like, I never had a resume in my whole life. Right, I had a right. civil service job. Uh -huh. So I went on resume.com, and I made myself a this resume. Is this is fascinating to me. And I hit the send button. Uh -huh. So the next day, I got the thank you, you know, we'll hold it for six months. And Did you have to attach a picture, like a headshot no. with it? No. <laughs> I'm, so I'm getting she a sent, at the picture she like, sent you know her young cop photo from the one. <laughs> yeah. Call this. Let's see how available she <laughs> No. So, you know, I figured they've got thousands or whatever. Mm -hmm. So about two months later, I work nights. I work the five to ones, right? Uh, it's about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. My home phone rings, which normally I wouldn't even answer. And I pick it up and they say, is, is Loretta there? And normally I would say, no, she's not here. But yeah. I was like, well, who's this? And. She said who she was from JetBlue. I said, oh, this is Loretta. Anyway, long story short, we wanted to come in for an interview. So mm -hmm. I said, yeah, fine. So I made arrangements. I went in for an interview. They said it would be 45 minutes. I was there for two and a half hours. Wow. Um, they said they didn't want me for that job, but they were just budgeting in for a manager of investigations job, which was really more up my alley. That's great. So they said, after the new year, we're going to post it by employment law. you got to post the jobs. We want you to put in for it. So I did. And I wound up getting the job. Do you Knew use the same nobody. resume from uh, resumes.com or did you? Yep, same resume. <laughs> <laughs> it's my go-to resume now. <laughs> yeah, That's same great. resume. Is, so, so tell us about the, 
your new job description? What, what did it entail? It basically entailed, uh, you know, investigating, you know, things between, uh, you know, customers and, you know, internal, external investigations, along with, you know, working with the TSA and those collaborative relationships. And I remember coming back when I, when I decided I was going to take the job, and I was telling Chief Fahey I was retiring, and I was telling him about the job. He's like, what did they investigate in the airlines? I'm like, I really don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but boy, did I find out. Well, what, do, what do they investigate? Uh, a lot of things, uh, both, like I said, internal and external. Well, they get, yeah, like, they get like sex crimes on the planes, right? All airlines get that kind yeah. of stuff. What yeah. kind? Sex crimes on yeah. planes. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they're sexual, Groping. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read planes. about those. You fall asleep and the guy puts his hand in your lap. Yeah, that's very that unfortunate, but it, it, it <laughs> has happened. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, assaults, uh, you know. On the are, plane? Are on the aircraft. Well, you get some EDPs on those planes. Too. You get a Sometimes, lot of EDPs on the planes, right? Yeah, all the airlines do as well. Um, yeah. You get. <laughs> you, you know get what? We were, I know we were talking about it before. We, we always have a rule: we shouldn't talk about stuff that we want to talk about on the air. But I told you about JetBlue's animal policy. It drives me out of my fucking mind. I'm what allergic to cats. What is and it? And I walk on, and this little EDP's got a cat in her lap. You know? And I, I'm like, what the fuck is this? I grab the stewardess. I go, I'm allergic to cats. Why is this fucking girl got a cat in her? Oh, that's a service animal. Yeah. You should throw her and that service animal. And then a, another lady has a dog. And and it's the stewardess says, you, you should have saw last week someone had a little horse. And I'm like, what is this, the fucking, is this the ark? Can someone bring two of every animal? What happens What's when somebody policy? has an allergy like that, a legit allergy against cats? I mean, I know you're catering to one person, but you could be just as big as loudmouth as, what happens? Do they separate you? Yeah, well, that's really Luckily, what I was the ten cut. rows back, but I saw yeah. this little psycho with her cat. I was like, yeah. "Put that fucking wait a cat minute. back!" Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> See, this is this is where you got to check, Billy. You were complaining about a cat that was ten rows back. I'm badly allergic to cats. I even get that that dander in the air, and I start sneezing. What the fuck is what is gander? Dander, D A N D E R. Gander. Gander is when you take a gander and dander is hair from a cat. all right. So what you're saying is that even though the cat. It was ten, ten rows? You wouldn't even have known the cat was there unless you walked past it. Unless he was like, Bill. No, but yeah, every one of these days gets one of those service animal cards because they have anxiety, right? You said it's pretty easy to get, right? Uh, well, what they have to do is y they have to have proof of you know requiring a that they're a psycho. They have to have well, a service animal for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, they have to carry that paperwork with them. And, you know, there's a lot going on in D.C. I w I'm not involved. I was not involved with that kind of stuff. There's a lot going on in, in D.C. with all the airlines again. Um, you know, with but really we, looking more into, you know, the service animals and, you know, how they're going to move forward with that. Um, because what basically gives rights to one person takes the rights away from another. Sometimes, most of the time. Yeah. Well, obviously, they look to accommodate everybody, I mean, like you said. Well, you so we're talking about a huge sheepdog that was yeah, on the plane. I, How much I, are you in charge of right now, though? Like, are you just in charge of JFK, or this is a nationwide job? So, well, I, I retired from JetBlue in August. I spent uh, over No, I'm sorry, while you were there, working for JetBlue. While I was working for JetBlue, yeah. So, I s oversaw all the investments. Uh, security investigations for the company. Wow. So whether they were, you know, domestic or international. Um, How could you do that? That sounds like so much work. Yeah. I oversaw Did our Did you ever go undercover as a stewardess? 
No. Was it worth it financially, money-wise? Were they paying you that much? I I really enjoyed Jeff Lowe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, that's a yes, um, she's not that's a yes folks. Not that's commenting a, about the money. Sounds like a six-figure, uh, uh, high six-figure. Yeah. I, I did, like, we had a command center, almost like uh, the wheel. Uh-huh. We called it Blue Watch. And um, 24-7 operation, mostly retired law enforcement. This is really important, though, what I'm going to ask you now. And, um, uh, I don't want to cut you off, but before yeah. we go any further, do you still have buddy passes? Yeah. Yeah? I, <laughs> I could have used you 10 years ago when I was yeah. performing in colleges. But also nationwide. Oh, man. And international, too, man. That's amazing. Like, what? where does uh, JetBlue is? Mostly Florida. It has a right? great reputation, JetBlue. As far as well, if you're gonna, people love that airline. Well, she she was behind some of the friendly law enforcement stuff. You want to touch upon? Yeah, that? tell us about that. Yeah, so I, I told Billy. Um, so it was just about five years ago, um, December twentieth. Uh, the two officers in Brooklyn, you know, who were assassinated. Yeah, I knew one of them. Yeah. He worked with us. Yeah, and within fifteen minutes of me seeing that on the news, I got a uh, email message and it said Loretta what can we do to help and it was from our CEO Robin Hayes and um, so I, I knew what our capabilities were and obviously you know I was going to work with other internal stakeholders and help the families of the officers and whatever we could do well the next day I get a call from our reservations out in Salt Lake and uh, they said Loretta we just got these cops from San Diego. They want to know if they'll we'll fly them for free to come to the funeral. And I said, she said, what should we tell them? And I'm like thinking, and I'm like, well, why can't we do that? So I said, well, let's talk about this more. So like within a day, we worked out this whole plan where we would, uh, space available, you know, whatever seats were available, uh, two seats, you know, per law enforcement agency if they want to send them in for a first uh Response: whether it's a fireman or a law enforcement, right. right? And fly them into the funerals. And that's how that whole thing started. Wow, that's and great. Yeah, that's we, great. Uh, you know, obviously had to deal with, you know, issues. You know, now we've got all these cops coming into, like, a place like New York and, you know, all the guns and, you know, work right. closely with the TSA. And I, I don't know if you know uh, John Bamberry. He's retired from the yeah. job. He's the uh, uh, FSD uh, at JFK uh, for the TSA, uh-huh. great guy, great partnership with him, and uh, you know the we TSA said does, though, doesn't have a great relationship with law enforcement. <laughs> I mean, I that's guess not necessarily true. No, but I'm just saying, as when we fly ourselves, we expect well, the, and there's no courtesy whatsoever. Well, they they know. got a job to do, but you You're know, from about our flying perspective, no, no, I'm talking about even that. You know, they say you get chosen for extra searching. You say, dude, I'm a retired. And I they see, could you give a see, shit. You want to know something? Shit, you know? I, I get pulled over, you know, pulled aside all the time. I never tell them I'm retired. I just do what, I don't give them a hard time. Yeah. I just do what I got to do. No, I do too now job. because I know there'll be no courtesy extended. So yeah. I just, you know. It's mm-hmm. easy. Just and now to I just got a new hip, so I set off the, um, <laughs> the alarm yeah. now. And they're like, oh, they jump on me like I'm a terrorist. I said, listen, I just got a new hip, so yeah. it's going to set the uh, yeah. thing off. So, um, but yeah, the, the TSA issue was a big deal with, you know, trying to, you know, get them back. We would dedicate a lane for law enforcement mm-hmm. and just kind of do the right thing by law enforcement. So but JetBlue is, is, is a pretty popular airline, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. And the fact that you were, you, you came up with a, a way to accommodate, especially with far, Fallen Heroes, that's a beautiful thing, man. That, that was uh, a fellow on your watch and you, 
the fact that you gave it the time out, that you weren't so quick to just like, no, we can, that, well, that was great. The irony of it is, is like, who else but, you know, a law enforcement cop is looking for a free ride, right? right? right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it turned into a really great thing. Um, I said that Chip. to Joe Lisi, you know, he's going to come on the show and he just opened a pizza place. Oh, really? I said, could you bring a pie in that day and we'll eat it on there? He goes, cops, you're just like every, you always yeah. want shit for free. I said, wait, <laughs> yeah. it's for you to advertise your pizza place. Yeah, yeah but I'm sure you probably got, <laughs> you probably can't tell us, but I'm sure there's a, probably a couple of times where somebody called in, they wanted to fly to a certain area and just on behalf of uh, somebody uh, looking yeah. up funerals and uh, retired well, cop died in Utah you know I said, my mother's there this is a perfect <laughs> time of year to go well there's there are uh, rules to it uh -huh. you know you can't go for an ex like I think you can only go for three days right. um, so the ticket's you, you, not open-ended right you're right you can't bring your gumada you know <laughs> you, you're going by yourself um, so there there are definitely your, your wife and kids can't come <laughs> no no just the law enforcement and it's been so well received all yeah, over it's the country we're joking um, but it's beautiful that is great. JetBlue has gotten you know awards from so many agencies all over the country they're so appreciative uh, um, you know the fact have, that have other that. corporations followed suit in I I don't know exactly what other uh, corporations, specifically airlines, do. I, I would say JetBlue stands out um, significantly on the is efforts the CEO, they do. Does the CEO have law enforcement in his family, or is no? Actually, he's um, well. The CEO now he's British, uh, but he is a huge law enforcement supporter. Uh, as is most of, uh, if not all, of our senior executives at JetBlue, which um, really benefits as well. I, I mean, I don't know if you know, but we also have a plane dedicated to the NYPD as well. That's I think great. I might have seen that. Yeah. yeah, which is really nice. Is it yeah, called the, the Loretta? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, let me ask you a question. Since you were a captain on this job, and you, can't, you were sat in, uh, I'm sure, quite a few comp stats, and then you go into the corporate world, and now you're in these business business uh, business meetings. What 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 is the the difference between the two? Like, I'm sh I'm just curious to know what you thought about when you're going into these business meetings compared to like NYPD meetings. Uh, different dynamics being in the corporate world. It's a whole different culture, um, and that's one of the big things when people leave, like the NYPD. Or probably any other law enforcement agency. You know, now you're going to the corporate world. You got to know what the culture of the company is that you're going to. That's for sure. It doesn't matter because I interviewed hundreds of people over the years. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much experience you have. Yeah, you, obviously we want experienced people, but when it comes down to it, is who's the best cultural fit for this place? You know, whatever organization it is, and um, there it's very. When you talk interactive. about culture. They. They, what, what is it that you're talking the about? The corporate culture is, you know, what the company in. stands in, right? for, um, you know, how they act, you know, how they treat each other, um, how they give back to the community. JetBlue is huge involvement in communities all across the country and internationally as well. Um, so wh what that looks like. Um, there was always a term there, you know, healthy pushback, where, you know, you could have, you know, say, a senior executive, you know, sitting with, uh, you know, a coordinator, you know, um, ha having a, dis a marketing discussion or a security discussion or whatever it is, and, and have that discussion where everybody's kind of like on the same playing field because they want everybody's input. Um, it, it's not that a paramilitary type right, of right. conversation. And not that that's necessarily bad. It's not. So 
So, so knowing that is really, really important. Um, and I got to tell you, our security department, we were like, like the grandparents, like we were the old folks in the company. I mean, everyone's over 50 practically. Right. And you've got, you know, and I have two millennials, so you've got a lot of younger kids. But I got to tell you something, they bring a really great perspective to the table, like things that, you know, they know and are aware of. And even things like we did in security, you know, you have to look at the context of, you know, what's uh, the Corpcom team going to think and how does this look for marketing, right. for example. And so you work with all these different departments, um, you know, to come to a collaborative effort on, on how you're going to do things because we all well, need did, to work Did together. your NYPD background and your training help you a lot in uh, working for JetBlue? Yeah, and I would say common sense and the ability to make a decision is huge. Um, Which you made thousands of decisions on the NYPD. Right? Every day. Yeah. Um, and because things would happen there and, you know, you'd have great people but who had never experienced perhaps that type of situation, they always came to the security team. Right. What should we do? And it, we were really grateful to be included in those conversations. And we, we brought a lot of experience, a lot of good thought, you know, into helping people, you know, get through on, mm -hmm. you know, how we're going to go about getting these sort of things done. Um, an example I'll give you is we put together a, what we call a Blue Haven program. It was our workplace violence prevention and our active shooter and our business continuity and emergency response, which was not under us. Right. Uh, was very much involved in that, but really ha did not have anybody on the team that had that type of experience. So we worked with them and put, like, for example, active shooter um, scenarios together, like in our support center in uh, Long Island City, where the NYPD came in, and it was great for them, too. They got to see the layout of the building. They got to, you know, go through their protocol, and, you know, our crew members got to see what an enactment of a, a shooting would be. And, and so that particular department worked with us and was able to put together a program which is leading in the industry. Wow. Um, no other airline has the program that we at JetBlue had. It must have been tough leaving the job, though. It sounds like you really, really liked it. I did. I did. And what, what was the reason? Was there a reason? You know, I always feel, and I felt this way at the NYPD, um, it's always best to get out when you're at the top of your yeah, game. That's of course, true. Yeah. And but it's a lot of times people don't know that, you know. But there were other factors too. I became a grandmother. I have two beautiful granddaughters who mm -hmm. live in Los Angeles. And you know, I turned sixty last no year. No way! I'm I not did. buying it at all. Well, I did. She's a hot looking granny. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just, I just. They're making the grandmothers younger and younger these days. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to live. Um, I uh, wanted enjoy to the enjoy the labor. Exactly do you keep right. um, Do you keep a lifetime of free f uh, fly, uh, flying privileges? You know, it's an interesting concept in the airline industry. It's called the number 65. Mm -hmm. So if your age plus 10 years at the particular airline hits 65, you get unlimited lifetime standby benefits. Mm -hmm. So I hit that years ago, but I also, um, you know, had when I left, um, got some perks. No, because you, <laughs> you don't have to tin your way on, right? <laughs> you get there, no, like, <laughs> still <laughs> using your old shield. And is this OTA? <laughs> like there's no tinning your. Yeah, oh gosh. He wears a shield around his neck in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> hey, I'd like a few drinks. OTA. <laughs> <laughs> 
could see him doing yeah. that. No, I could Well, you're a good resource to have because we're going to take this show on the road, hopefully, in the future. <laughs> you know, we want to bring police off the cuff uh, nationwide and uh, interview other police officers and other heroes from other departments and, and first responders from all over the country. And uh, we'll be calling you up, Loretta. We'll be like, yeah. hey, listen, uh, remember we asked you about those buddy passes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, those will expire at some point, but... No, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a remarkable career. Okay, so uh, we're drawing near the first hour, believe it or not, Loretta. Oh, How my gosh. I know, listen... Uh, I'm not saying that you were uh, uh, particularly nervous, but most of the guests that we have on, especially if you don't do a lot of this kind of stuff, you can see they were a little bit nervous. And uh, did it, how did it feel? Was it bad? It was fine. It was great, right? You didn't yeah. even notice, did you? No. An hour went by. Wow. So on the top we, of the... We say we want to start having coronas, and then the conversations would get yeah. more lively. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cosmos for me. Oh, Cosmos. Okay. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go in a completely different, uh, different direction in the second half. I know there's stuff that you want to talk about as well. Um, but the first half is remarkable. I'm fascinated by the career. Um, I'm gonna uh, thank you for coming in, and we're gonna take a break right now. We're gonna, Bill. Any parting words in the first? Half? I you know I know Loretta. I worked with her, and she was my captain in the detective bureau. She was always a great boss, and uh, I'm glad she's had. I have a, a feeling. A like great life. I remember you too. I, m I remember seeing you. Uh, you probably wouldn't remember me. I mean. I was uh, in the shadows. <laughs> You're right. I wouldn't remember. <laughs> you know, I had. I used to dress the part. I had my off-duty on. I had the shield here. My my uh, my uh, right, the, the brightest pad in my back pocket. You know, take. The, but that was full of jokes. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, notes uh, from a job. I was, uh, I was an undercover detective. Literally, I was a comedian slash detective. Yeah. All right. So on the first half, man, we covered a lot. We're going to cover some more in the second half, but. Uh, on behalf of Police Off the Cuff, uh, thanks for coming in, Loretta. And uh, we're going to cover the rest of the story in a couple of minutes. Thanks.